you are Locked On Angels, your daily Los Angeles Angels podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey everybody, welcome to Locked On Angels, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, now brought to you by Hotels.com. You're locked in with Taylor Blake Ward. For today's show, we are going to share the audio from Joe Madden's introductory press conference. Now the new manager of the Angels is about 43 minutes long. It's going to come in right after our intro here. So we got to remind you to follow us on Twitter, at Locked On Angels. You can follow me personally, at Taylor Blake Ward. When you do that, you can be part of our Tuesday episode and our Sunday night Twitter question and answer. We have moved our Sunday night Twitter question and answer to Tuesdays as opposed to Mondays for the off season. So if you want to be a part of that, follow us on Twitter at Lockdown Angels. You can follow me personally at Taylor Blake Ward and look for that tweet at about 9 p.m. Pacific time saying, send me any and all your baseball questions. I'll answer them here through midnight. The best ones make the show on Tuesday. You can also download or subscribe to today's episode via Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. We are going to share the audio from Joe Madden's introductory press conference. It is about 43 minutes long, so grab a cold beverage or a warm cup of coffee if you're in colder weather. Sit back and enjoy. On behalf of the Angels organization, I would like to welcome you to this afternoon's press conference to introduce Joe Madden as the club's new manager. On stage with us today to my far right, we have Jay and Joe Madden, Angels general manager Billy Epler, and Angels owner Artie Moreno. Before we begin, we'd like to acknowledge some members of the Angels family that are here with us this afternoon. Up front, we have Angels owner Carol Moreno, club chairman Dennis Cool, and club president John Carpino. We also have Major League Baseball Hall of Famer Rod Carew, Angel Hall of Fame members Garrett Anderson, Bobby Gritch, and Mike Witt, and several Angel alumni, including Jim Abbott, Mark Langston, Adam Kennedy, and Mark Gubaza, just to name a few. Current Angels that are here with us this afternoon, Albert Pujols, Shohei Otani, David Fletcher, Ty Buttrey, Griffin Canning, Keenan Middleton, Felix Pena, Patrick Sandoval, and Luis Ranjifo. At this time, we'd like to welcome Angels owner Artie Moreno to the podium to say a few words, followed by General Manager Billy Upper. Good afternoon, and thank you for coming. Um, very excited for Angel fans, Angel family, uh, to welcome uh, Joe and his wife, Jay. Um, Joe spent 30, 31 years with the Angel family. We're so excited to have him back. Um, a lot of old friends here. Really excited to start a new era of Angel baseball. So, Billy, you're going to talk. I'm, I always have so much to say, but thank you for coming. <laughs> Afternoon. So I had the opportunity to watch Joe a little uh, when he was managing the Rays. And I watched him from afar and I saw how he handled players. I saw how he transformed a mindset and how he developed a culture that allowed his players to be the best versions of themselves. His style was unique, maybe even a little edgy, but it was very clear to me that it was built around an essential principle to get the most out of his players. Joe's had an impressive managerial career, starting from a success in Tampa to leading to a world championship in Chicago. But a lot of people forget it was a long process 
for him to get there. He wore numerous hats before becoming a major league manager. He was a scout. He was a minor league hitting coordinator, minor league manager, minor league field coordinator, bullpen coach, first base coach, bench coach. So what does that say? It says to me and it should say to our fans that we have someone with a growth mindset. Someone who's challenged himself to adapt and evolve through a diverse set of experiences. Simply put, he's both a, le- a learner and he's a teacher. He's focused on the goals of an organization and how to get there. He has shown that he knows how to create a winning culture, and we are proud to announce him as our manager. I'd like to formally introduce Joe Madden. Can we get over here? Good afternoon. How cool is this? What I was referencing there, when I came up to the big leagues in 1994 as a coach, I spent uh, my first year with the Angels was 1976. Finally got the call in, in, in 94 when Marcel Latchman took over. And I get up here, and of course, Langley was up here with Rex Hudler. So I was like working with the outfielders at that time, and I came out right out here beyond second base, and I'm starting to hit my fungos and all the kind of stuff that I do, talk all the crap that I talk. And Langley said to me, Joe, or asked me, when are you going to get rid of that number? He did not like the number 70. At that time, you see a lot of these high numbers today, but at that time I had been number 20. So Langley got in my face very uh, uh, quickly, and I told him, I'm going to try to make this number. I don't want, um, I want to use the word famous, but famous. And today, uh, coming back with number 70, this is for you, Langley, right here, baby. There's so many things going through my head. Uh, please indulge me for a second. Um, I signed in 1975 at the Broadview Hotel in Wichita, Kansas, after the NBC uh, tournament. Uh, a fellow by the name of Nick Kamzik. Think you signed anybody else out here? No? Nick Kamzik was legendary. So game over, we beat uh, Fairbanks uh, in the NBC uh, World Series. And I go, up to, I go up to my room or Nick's room, and I had a bottle of Chevis Regal in one hand and a pen in the other. And, and, I, and that night, I signed, my, I signed my first angel contract for exactly $0, uh, the incentive bonus plan, and the college plan. And that's how I got my angel career uh, to begin in a hotel room in 75 there in Wichita, Kansas. First spring training next year. Um, at that time, we were permitted to make our own arrangements coming out, which is kind of weird. And I like to fly big airplanes. So I was able to make my arrangements out of JFK, JFK to LAX um, on an L-1011 TWA flight. And on the way out, like Kansas, carry on my wayward sons playing in my ears. And I get out here and I land at LAX, got on a little yellow uh, Hughes Air West puddle jumper down to El Centro. And I, and I come down the steps at El Centro. Uh, and I get off the plane, there's this blonde hair, blue-eyed dude right next to me. I said, hey, man, what's going on? And he said, no hablo inglés. It was my boy, Richard Thon. Dickie Thon became my first roommate getting off that airplane, that yellow. And uh, how did you have confidence in getting on a yellow puddle jumper back in 1976? But I got off the plane, and there it began my relationship with Richard Thon, and I could pick up that phone right now and call Dickie right now. And, that, and that's how that friendship uh, um, uh, was cemented. 
I'm saying all this because I'm looking out here. This is like, you got to understand, guys. I know we did some time together, but this is a little bit overwhelming to me to have all you show up here today. Um, and I want to say thank you. Um, Mickey, I've worked with more as a coach. Richie, uh, Langley actually caught in 1980. Abby, I used to hate waking up in the morning and having to catch her slider. Your cutter in spring training, my thumb still is suffering from that particular moment. Uh, but to have Rodney, Rodney and I, um, pretty tough year in 95. We had a great time. Uh, almost got it done at that point, but it was a big influence in my coaching career also. Jimmy Anderson sitting over there. Everybody, uh, my boy, where's G.A.? G.A., how about that double down the right field line? Uh, pretty pretty nice base hit by the G-Man. And I had the G-Man right out of high school. We were talking about when he was 17, 18, up in Boise, Idaho, where um, I thought he was having trouble with the lights. So game over, Boise went out. I stayed behind, and G.A. and I went out and just worked on fly balls under the lights in Boise, Idaho. And I just looked at AFK. AFK, three homers against the Twins right here. That's Adam Fitzgerald Kennedy, by the way. He's sitting right over there. And I, I could go on. Winner, uh, all you guys, I just want to say sincerely thank you for coming here today. This is really special for me, for us, my wife, Jay, my beautiful wife, Jay. And before I move on, and I don't want to stay here forever because of the weather, whatever, but I want you to know, I really, I've talked to Billy, and I've talked to Artie about this. I really want to um, reconnect wholly with the alumni. Uh, I really believe you guys have a ton to offer. I see other organizations that have it and utilize it to the max, and I see how they benefit from it. So I'm going to say right now, come spring training, I want to make sure that you guys feel included and have ideas at that point. So we'll get together, uh, try to figure out how to get all you guys in and out of town. But I want you to know, I want to hear your voice. Like last night, Langley's all over me about taking infield again. I loved it. I love it. I'm serious. I, that's the stuff I want to hear from you guys. Uh, what's going on in the game today um, the analytics, data versus art. It's, that's what it comes down to for me. It's data versus art. Uh, art being the human heartbeat, data being numbers, math, etc. I believe there's a balance to be stri uh, stricken right there, whereas you could use both these things to your advantage, and you should never, ever want to, to disassociate one or the other. To just be all analytically inclined or all heartbeat inclined, you're going to lose. You're going to lose. You're not going to be the best version of yourself. You're not. I mean, this is something when I went to the Rays that I thought we did as well as anybody in 2008. We understood how to balance the heartbeat and the data, and we became pretty good pretty quickly down there. Today's game, you're going to get the full money right here. Today's game, everybody's working off the same sheet of music. There's, I think there's a reason why fans have been turned off a bit by our game, and that's because the game looks the same regardless of where you go. I want us to reestablish our own identity here. Wow, we're playing the analytical game. I want us also to play the Angels game. And all these guys, who you are as a human being matters. I've gone through this the last 15 years, I guess, right? Between Tampa Bay and Chicago. And I know one thing when I talk to my guys, they don't, do not want to be viewed as a number. And I don't blame you. Ask any one of these guys that have played in the past how you would feel under that set of circumstances where you're only viewed as a math mathematical equation. You would not like that at all. I would not like that. So my, my point is, as we move this thing forward, I definitely um, I want to create this method that incorporates both. I thought we did that in Chicago. I want to bring it here. I did it primarily or previously in Tampa Bay. So that's to me, it's data versus art. 
And again, art being the heartbeat in your chest, data being all the map. I love them both. But you cannot just be uh, so heavy side of one way or the other. And I think uh, I think you're going to be that successful on an annual basis. And again, this is about this is about this is about excellence over a period of time. This isn't just about being good for a brief window and then moving it along. And the only way to get that done, you have to establish your culture, and you have to establish a methodology. This is how we do things here, and and that's what I'm going to be all about. And uh, it's going to happen with our players, myself, the coaching staff, Billy, all the dudes in the front office, Artie. Uh, there's not a more passionate owner regarding how much he loves the game than this man right here. And I'm definitely going to listen to Artie also. I already have. We're going to bunt this year, guys. <laughs> um, yeah, I got a lot of opinions. Um, so... This is this is this is where I'm coming from with all this. This is where I'm coming from. It's um, you're watching what the Nationals are doing right now v Houston. Two different methodologies there completely. I know people on both sides. David was my bench coach. You watch both sides. Um, you can see the difference in the methodology there. And again, I like the idea of combining both. And hopefully with Billy, uh, Billy's already been awesome. And he actually flew to Tampa the other day just for one night, one great dinner at our restaurant which is our restaurant in, in Tampa. Uh, we had a great dinner and a great conversation the next day also. But we are definitely uh, working from the same sheet of music, and we shall continue to do that. The one way that organizations become very successful in today's world is that you are. There cannot be a disconnect between there and there. There's no disconnect. It's one and the same. When you find or feel a disconnect, you ain't going anywhere, brother. It ain't happening. It ain't happening. That goes right down to the minor leagues for years I worked here, and every time a new manager came in, there'd be a new method that I had to employ among the minor league guys. I hated that, because I'm saying then immediately that stuff I was teaching you said was right two years ago, I'm telling you is wrong now. This is right. You need to establish a way, an angel's way of teaching things and doing things so when a minor league kid comes up, lockstep in what we're doing right here, and that's how you become great. You did. You were part of the Dodge organization back in the day. You saw that stuff, and I was part of the Angels here when that was that was a big part of our our methodology here, also. And that's I'm going to be preaching from that particular soapbox. Um, can I just take a couple more minutes, or are we good? No, I mean, okay. Yes, sir. We rented the place for all day, so I'm good. Um, okay. How do you, I mean, how do you do this stuff, right? Uh, you walk in, you walk in cold. I'm walking in cold. Listen, this group of players are an intimidating group of players, guys. I don't know how well you know these former players, but these guys are really good. There's one over there that should be in the Hall of Fame, too, and he's not yet. And these guys were that good. So I got this, these guys, my friends that just walk in, and, and Mr. Stoneman over there, Stoney's over there, too. And I, I watch these guys walk in, and you have no idea what that does to me internally. That's awesome and tough at the same time it's 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 what they have done to the culture here and the point i'm trying to make here is building relationships i walk in right now first of all i had i met with Artie, billy and uh john john carpino a couple days ago and i walked in that room and we're sitting up there looking down here i could not have felt more comfortable why because i felt i've already had a relationship with Artie, john and i'm in the process of building a really tight one with billy that's where it begins. Don't be, don't be deceived. It's not about more hit and runs or, or round balls or extra BP or hitting in the cage or looking at video. It has nothing to do with that. It's about building relationships first. When you've done that, 
all this other stuff falls into place. So it's incumbent upon me to really reach out to build relationships with everybody here in this building. I mean, everybody. And once you've done that, and y'all know what I'm talking about, then we start trusting each other. And the moment we start trusting one another, now we got something going on. Because when you trust one another, that conversation is open. There's nothing hidden. And, all, and, and that, my next point is now you can exchange ideas. I got a relationship. Uh, I tr- we trust each other. Here are my thoughts. You can't do that unless you go through those first two steps to get to that step. And then the most important one occurs. Bob Alou, Bob Clear. Where at that point right there, constructive criticism flows. Babalu, you guys don't know who Babalu was. Babalu was my mentor as a coach here, number 49. Um, he and I would have the most loud, in-your-face arguments on a morning-by-morning basis over anything. But he taught me to become a better coach because our relationship was so tight, there's no way we were going to blow it up over arguing over Mark McGuire's hand position on the sports page of the Arizona Republic and whatever year that was. That was a half-hour argument. I didn't like his hands, but Babalu did. And that, here we go, on and on. No, I liked it, he did not. So my job here now is to build relationships so that we trust one another. And now we can exchange ideas without having to be right. It's not about being right, it's about getting it right. So if we could get to that point, that's where you really arrive at the point where good stuff happens. And that's where constructive criticism flows. And I'm open to it. I'm open to it. I'm open to it, meaning... Um, I don't always want the players to agree. I definitely don't want the coaches to always agree. I definitely don't want that. So when you're hearing something or seeing something that's um, you don't think is proper or right, I want to hear about it. Uh, if I, I think I think I'm a good listener. I have always thought that that's the most important thing a major league coach does is that he listens. And most of the time, and I'll attest to this, major league players answer their own questions. They just need somebody to say it to. And then as it comes out of your mouth, you'll hear what you just said, and you think to yourself, mm, and then you'll come to the right conclusion almost 100% of the time. But you need somebody that's there to listen openly, without judgment. And then they will, listen, I'll give you my opinion if you really need it. But I promise you, you're going to come to your own right conclusions. And that's part of one of my first meetings in spring. Um, I don't have rules. I grew up in the late 60s, early 70s, Richie. I mean, I, I, don't, have, I don't believe in a whole lot of rules. I don't. I believe that you know what is right and what is wrong, and you choose what is right and what is wrong, and I'm good. I'm good with that. So that's a big part of how I conduct a clubhouse. Um, and again, I can, last point, I'll shut up. But I want you to hear this one too, because it happened right here. And then we got questions after that, right? Uh, quickly, down in that clubhouse in the old configuration in 1995, four or five, me and Marcel. Marcel, listen, he would wear a loss, boy. Marcel, whenever we lost, he thought it was his fault all the time. Marcel Latchman. So I'm sitting with him like 1, 12, 31 o'clock in the morning, right down through that door. And um, I'm saying, asking myself, what, do you, what is going on here? I never played in the big leagues. I was never good enough to play there. The, the scouts were right. The front office dudes were right. I was not good enough to play there. I was not, but I said I was a good listener and I saw, I watched well. And here's what I concluded. I'll leave you with this before I answer questions. There are five levels of being a professional baseball player. I think there's five levels of being a pro, period. Level one, happy to be here. The first day I got to Anaheim in 1994, I left my brand new leather bomber jacket at the Hertz counter at John Wayne Airport. I was that excited. It, It might still be there, but I was so happy to be here. 
So you leave a brand new bomber leather coat that you absolutely adored, you leave it at the Hertz counter because I was so happy to be here. Think about it. Y'all been there. I was there. Y'all been there. Level two, and this is dangerous, survival. Level two is survival, and it's dangerous because all you're trying to do in level two is appease everybody. Try not to make a mistake. I promise you the word winning or thought of winning does not even enter your mind. It's about you not making a mistake or you not embarrassing yourself. That is level two survival. I like this. I want to stay here. Level three. And when you arrive at this point, you're a big league player. You really are. And until you arrive at level three, you're not. Uh, level three. I belong here. I can do this. You have that, that moment, that epiphany, the light bulb goes off. I belong here. I can do this. I remember for me as a coach, because I needed to break in as a coach. I wasn't a player. When I felt like I belonged or I could do this, then I can contribute to winning. I couldn't before that. I was just doing my work, uh, nose to the grindstone, trying not to screw up, even as a coach. But the moment I felt I belonged here, then I could help. Then you could help, whether it's off the field or on the field playing shortstop. Level four, and never begrudge anybody this moment. I want to make as much money as I possibly can. Right? Uh, short shelf life. Listen. G.A. and I were together when he's 17. G.A. sitting over there now, and I promise you that was yesterday. That was yesterday. In my mind's eye and his. Um, so you need to get out there and make as much money in that short window of time as you possibly can. Of course you do. And that's level four after you belong here. But we all want, we want level fives. We want level fives everywhere. And I thought that's Albert's number, isn't it? Is it Albert number five? We all want level fives. All I want to do is win. And that, that, that suits him as well as anybody. I already talked. He's the one guy I've talked to on the phone so far. But level five is all I want to do is win. Think about it. You've got to go through these stages to arrive at these points. You want to get out of two and four as quickly as you can. Survival and money, get out of them fast. One is normal. Three, I belong here. Awesome. And level five, all I want to do is win. That's how the Angels get to the playoffs in 2020. And I'm all about it, man. I'm not, listen, I'm not going to sugarcoat it pussyfoot around it my goal our goal is to get and be playing i don't like watching this crap on tv right now i don't like it uh you much better it's much more fun to be involved uh much more fun to be under the scrutiny much more fun to be second guessed than to not never permit the pressure to exceed the pleasure of a moment ever never permit the pressure to exceed the pleasure of a moment ever and when you arrive at that point man that's when you could really do some special things <laughs> Excuse me. And that's what I'm really going to preach with us this year. That. Um, I think that's something that's infiltrating professional sports with young people. The word pressure with social media, media in general. There's all kinds of outward influences that are constantly pushing down on you and probably causing us to not process the day properly. But I want us to process it properly. And you do that together. And you do that by supporting one another, just like I went through. So... I could go on and on, brother, but that's it. I wanted to share with you uh, building relationships. I wanted to show you the five levels of being a pro, and I forgot in the beginning. Thank you very much, sir. Thank you. Thank you. And my beautiful wife, Jay, thank you. Thank you, Joe. Uh, at this time, we're going to open the press conference up to members of the media to ask questions. If you could please raise your hand. We have two wireless microphones that will be brought to you. If you could please introduce yourself for your first question. We'll start with Jim Hill in the back. Yes, sir. Jim Hill, CBS 2 and KCAL 9. Skipper, congratulations and, and welcome back. 
considering the amount of period of time that you were here before, how emotional is this moment, this day for you and your bride to be coming back now as manager? Sleep that good last night. Uh, tossed and turned a lot. Um, just thinking about all this stuff. Uh, again, I I have a tendency to give long-winded answers, so I'm going to, speaking of long wind, um, it's very emotional uh, to, to begin like I did, under the circumstances I did, to be back here and see your name up there like that, uh, with all these... Um, wonderful gentlemen sitting out front ladies um it's pretty special man i i this is one of those things when i leave here we're going to fly back we're going to go back to tampa then hazelton then back to tampa drive the rv out for spring training when i get a chance to really lay down with nothing else to go thinking about but this i think it'll truly this has been happening very quickly man this has been like quick i've been a little bit sick and all this it's it's it doesn't happen <laughs> it doesn't happen uh to be in the position, I mean, I think the being away for 15 years helps to be able to come back really fresh. Um, to go away for two or three and come back, maybe a little bit different vibe, but I think the vibe is appropriate based on the time I was here, the time I was gone, and now being back. And I think, again, it's all about timing on this earth, so I think the timing was pretty good. Thank you. James? Uh, James Allen, Angels Radio, AMA 30. Um, Joe, when you look at the roster, the current roster, when you look at what you have in the pipeline, do you see any similarities to the 73-win team you took over in Chicago? Yeah. I mean, uh, first of all, it's a very athletic group on the field that, and that was augmented through the by getting some really good um, kind of experienced pitchers and an experienced bullpen to really nail things down. The thing that happens when you get young players, you, a lot of times you're going to catch leads that you can't hold on to. And that's the part that's really devastating to a culture within a clubhouse. When you're winning, you're winning games up to the sixth, seventh, even to the into the eighth inning, and you can't, you can't finish the thing off. And it really, uh, talking up there, this game could have easily been called pitching over baseball, and I would have been all for it. So as we develop the the pitching component of this, the young position players here, as well as some of the veterans. After all, uh, you know, Mr. Trout in center, Albert at first. I'm a big Fletcher guy. I'm a big Fletcher guy. Just punching him against the Cubs last year. Um, Simmons at shortstop, my boy Tommy La. Is Tommy La in the tennis tonight? Tommy Lestell is not here. Um, it's a, it's a, you have to have a mix. You have to have pitching. You have to have the right mix. You have to have leadership in the clubhouse. You have to nurture that. And, and that's how you go from 73 to 90 plus. And that's my expectation. Fletch? Uh, Joe, right here. Yes. Jeff Fletcher, Orange County Register. Uh, last week, you mentioned uh, kind of an angel style of play. Yep. Um, between the lines, what does that mean to you? Well, um, for first of all, it, you got you got to. <laughs> you know, my first uh, requisite of a coach is is that he's fearless. As a coach, a major league coach, because a major league coach has to have difficult conversations. That's probably the thing he has to do with consistency and better than anything else he's possibly able to do. So I like courage. I like fearlessness. That's what I want the, the style of play to be, to not be afraid of making mistakes, to be able to, with the proper guys. Now, to put the hit and run on sign on in the right count with the proper guys and the ball is going to be moved. If the steal is there based on the pitcher's time to the plate and a weak arm back there, that you can steal a bag, that you go first to third, that you don't miss a cutoff guy, that if it is first and third, you know where to throw the baseball, that pitchers do go back up bases. Fundamentals. I've said this a lot, even said a lot in the media back in Chicago. Um, I learned to teach here 
with this fundamentalism that was uh, among the coaches in the Angel organization when I was a kid, and then your colleges, Augie, Snowman, uh, and God rest uh, Kenny Revisa. I mean, all these guys taught a method that was very simple. It's a simple, aggressive, fearless style of the game. The moment you're concerned about making mistakes, we aren't winning. You're not playing the last game of the year and winning it. You're not. If you go out there, that's kind of the level two dudes, survival. If you go out there with that mindset, you're going to make more mistakes. Uh, if you go out with the right, we'll correct the mistakes. We'll talk, we'll correct the mistakes. But if you're afraid of making mistakes, you're never going to be that winning player that, that everybody wants to see. Over to your left, Joe. Bill Shaken. What's up, Shaken? Hey, Joe. Welcome home. Thank you, buddy. Um, I remember in 2002, yep. you were practically crying because yep. there had been so much history here that you knew about. Yep. This isn't an organization that's generally regarded as one of the historical ones in the game, but given the history that you have, can you translate that to your players, and do you think it would help you win in any way? Yeah, I, just, I, just, I mean, I, I get what you're saying as being accurate, but I disagree with that. Like I said, I'm looking, just look at these guys that are sitting here right now, and there's a bunch of others. I, I'm pretty sure the stat is accurate. You can look it up. But I think between 84 and 94, we put more guys in the big leagues than any other organization at that time. When I was a player, 76, 7, and 8, Tom Summers ran the minor league system. And we were the tops minor league system on an annual basis when I was a player. But there was so much pride about it. Like I said, there's a guy right here that should be in the Hall of Fame that's not yet. I don't. There's, there's so many uh, former players and players that are here right now that were the most, at the highest end of, of uh, abilities and as people that have been here since the beginning. Jimmy Reese, my God, I'm talking about Jimmy right now. Jimmy taught me so much when we were here. I, my first spring training in 76, Dick Williams was the manager. I mean, uh, Mr. Garcia, Dave, I talked about Bob Lou, Latch. I mean, all these guys, Larry Himes. This is a who's who, brother. These guys are all these guys are all Hall of Fame uh, ability regarding what they did. I, for me, that's why I really want to reconnect with these guys right here, so that our new our, our players today can understand what came before them, and it was outstanding. There wasn't enough championships. I get that. I get that. But believe me, the talent level uh, was pretty darn special. When Rodney was there, I, I used to be the grunt. I would throw the BP and catch, and he's there, and Sanchez is there, Gritchie's there. Burley's there, Brian Downing, Dave Winfield. Come on. I mean, can you, can you name better names than these names? So if we could really, I believe that there's wins in, 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 in the alumni. I do. I believe in a reconnection, uh, the influence they could have on the present-day players. There's wins there. That's another form of war is having these guys reconnect. And that's what I'm really looking forward to. Nick in the back. Nick Hamilton, uh, Nightfall Media, iHeart Media. Joe, right here. I got you, brother. Okay. Um, First of all, welcome. Thank you. And where are you as in terms of finding your pitching coaches and your bench coaches? We're doing pretty good. We're doing pretty good. Um, Billy and I have some more interviews set up for tomorrow. We've made a lot of phone calls. Um, I've been on the phone in my pad in Sugarloaf, PA, Hazleton, and he's been out here. We've been going back and forth. Um, it's really, it's, it's also flattering. A lot of guys want to work here. It's very flattering that a lot of people all of a sudden want to work here again or, or, or work here. Um, and the list is incredibly talented. I, it's again, it's, it's, it's very humbling. So we're, we're working on that right now. And uh, I really believe we're going to put together a nice, a really good group for the boys. Uh, a very communicative group, a very, um, <laughs> very funny group. I, I like humor. 
Mickey. I like humor. Why did I look at Mickey? I love it. and Clyde. I love. I think. I think that's the one thing that is underestimated. Having the angel, I wanted to have a sense of humor. I want. I want it to be charismatic. I want people to want to watch your guys because your guys have personality. That's why everybody loved these guys back then, or the old Cubs, or the old Giants, or the old Dodgers. There's a lot of personality, and I want to see that come out of our guys too. I'm not talking about bat flips either. I'm just talking about you. Dylan Hernandez in the back left. Uh, Dylan, Dylan Hernandez at? here, LA Times. Where are you at, Dylan? Oh, sorry. Right. Hey, how you doing? Uh, actually, I actually have a question for Jay. Sure. Uh, just what's this journey been like for you, you know, since leaving here, you've seen your husband become one of the more successful managers in the game. Just what, what has this process been like for you? Oh, it's it's been really amazing. I mean, <laughs> um, we've had fun. We've, we've had fun. <laughs> and, um, and it's a homecoming for me also. I grew up in Fullerton. So um, it's it's really it's it's very cool that we can come full circle, and um, you know hopefully have many years of success here. So. She actually attended Western State Law School. She's not going to tell you the whole thing. She's got a nice uh, resume herself. Fabian. Hey, Joe. Uh, Fabian Ardai of The Athletic. Uh, I know you've had the chance to be a manager here on an intern basis before, but yeah. how much during these years have you thought about the chapter to manage here? Uh, again, it's I, I was. I was interim manager squared my first time around because Johnny Mack took over and Johnny gets ill. So I did all my interviews with Bob Starr. I called myself interim manager squared. So I had that opportunity there. Uh, then when, when TC uh, left, I had another opportunity. But... There's a difference between holding somebody else's baby and holding your own baby. We all know what the feeling's like. So when you're holding your own baby, um, it's, it's kind of cool. Um, you got to change the diapers. You got to go through all the. You get up in the middle of the night. You got to do all that stuff. But holding your own baby uh, is quite a thrill for me. Listen, to to do what I've done, to get out, to leave here. <laughs> my last day here was also we, we saw the stones here, which I'm really. Mick was right over here on this pitching mound. I'm up there in Artie's booth in 2005. Um, so we go from there to the Rays, So we and we still live in Tampa Bay right now, and then to go to the Cubs and win a World Series for the first time in a century. But then you get to top it off coming back here. And believe me, I've already talked to Billy. My intent is to stay here longer than three. My intent is to work with these guys as long as they'll have me. Um, so I cannot feel more fortunate, and I'm really excited about all of it. Maria? Yes. Hey, Joe Maria Torres from LA Times. Hi, Maria. Um, judging from just from the outside looking in after you left, how would you say that you could quantify maybe that balance between data and art and what it's been like here in the last couple of years? Well, you know, I, again, I'm, you're not you're not in there. You're not a, a, uh, among the conversations. So I don't know that for sure. I can just tell you from my perspective, um, I'm, I am into uh, the data. That card I keep in my back pocket is just dripping with numbers constantly. That I, that I like to have, um, there's, there's, there's a, a large sample size and there's small sample size. And for me, I've, I've always believed that there's a, there's a balance there also. Large sample size for me absolutely is acquisitionally oriented. I think if you're going to acquire somebody, you're going to look under the hood, those large sample size numbers, now I get an idea who this dude is. But also here comes August 15th to August 25th, and, and this guy does not resemble anything maybe less than or more than that overall number. And I know it's a short window, but I like to know what's going on now, too. So there, there's where I've had a little bit of a disconnect. I've, I really, I've tried to get the guys in Tampa Bay and Chicago to come up with a, a small sample size, what's going on right now, 
to see if that to look at that and see if that helps. So the numbers to me, analytically speaking, large sample size, acquisitionally, go for it. It makes all the sense in the world. But as the season's in progress, I like things to be adjusted. I mean, I got guys that get hurt. I get guys that they've lost their minds and they're just not the same guy they were last year. They might have some personal problems. There's all kinds of issues that occur with the human being that causes that number to be inaccurate at some point. So I like to be flexible in season with all that stuff, but I do. I'll, you'll see me in that card in my hand often. For a, but I, last point, Gene Mock taught me uh, three things, play the game before, during, and after. So before the game, I'm on that card with my coaches and I'm looking at this stuff and I'm playing the game there. The theoretically perfect situation, which rarely occurs. Then you have to be ready to make adjustments in progress, game, and then post-game, let's, let's uh, post-mortem this thing, let's review it a little bit and see where we came from. That's, to me, how you use this stuff. And, uh, and that's the balance that I see. Alden Gonzalez in the back left? Yes, sir. Left. That left. This is actually for, for Artie. Um, Artie, I'm just wondering, what, what is your hope for what maybe what Joe's presence will mean uh, for this organization? Uh, well, obviously, our target is to win another World Series. I mean, we need to get back on the winning train and uh, get to the playoffs and, you know, bring some jewelry back. I mean, it's just, um, last few years have been really tough. And, um, you know, we've just, you know, we've had a lot of talks, you know, for the last couple of years trying to, how do we get this team prepared? Felt the first step was to make sure that we brought someone in that could lead us. And, uh, you know, and I do talk to alumni, and they, they don't like to be associated with losing. I don't like to be associated with losing. So that's what I, I'm thinking. James in the back. Joe, um, you talked about your three decades with this organization, and you had success, of course, winning the World Series, your success with the, with the uh, Rays, and also your success with the Cubs. What have you learned most about yourself in this time span as a manager? That self-definition is boring. Um, what I've learned uh, mostly, I think, and I tell myself this all the time, um, remain consistent. I mean, listen, we're going to win seven in a row, we're going to lose seven in a row, but when I walk in that door, they got to see the same cat all the time, and I believe in that. Uh, this is a really difficult game to play that some people become confused. The guys that are really good at this game make it look relatively simple, but it's not. Uh, just from here down to that plate, uh, standing sideways, and you're watching all these guys throwing 100 miles an hour right now with nasty breaking balls, and then you want to be hypercritical of somebody on that end of it. Uh, you just don't know what that's like. I know they're getting paid well. I get it. I get all that stuff. But uh, they need my consistency. They need a consistent message from me, and they also need to hear from me when the message that we've agreed upon is is uh, going sideways a little bit. I'm a, I have my lead bull meetings where I will try to get the most influential guys on the team, which I can probably six, seven guys. And those are the guys I want to sit down and talk about team policy with and how to uh, uh, delegate within the locker room because that is the player's domain. It is not mine. When, when you're good, you got, you got really you got grown-ups in there that take care of things on a daily basis. I should not hear about stuff, whereas these guys should be able to take care of of things before it ever gets to the manager's office. So when you talk about policing a clubhouse, to me, that's having the right leadership group within that group. And I will talk to 
like I said, I think six, maybe seven guys probably during camp, and we'll decide and figure out how are we going to do this thing in here, what's important to us, and then make sure we adhere to it. I have two more questions. Yes. First, Mike Giovanna. Hi, Mike. Hi, Sir DG. Hey, Joe. Hi, brother. How you doing? Good. How much input do you expect to have or even hope to have when it comes to player acquisitions, trades, maybe even how much these days input a manager should have in these decisions? I have, um, I have grown up doing this um, not expecting to have a whole lot. That's always been my contention, though, because my job is to... I, this is the minor league training, though. I mean, when you're a minor league manager, you're out there in an outpost, and guys send you players. And whenever players they send you, you're supposed to put that together and make it work somehow. I still abide by that thought or that theory. I do. Uh, I have, uh, in Tampa Bay, did the same thing in Chicago. Now, of course, I'm involved in a lot of the conversations, but at the end of the day, a lot of that stuff is done unilaterally, independent of what I think. And... And he knows more. The scouting department should know more than I do. One of the most dangerous things you do in professional sports is listen to your coaches too much about acquisitions because they're going to just tell you the guys they like based on head-to-head -head competition. They don't, they don't get to see the whole thing. I started out as a scout, and that's the one thing we've talked about. And that's the most important thing that I've ever done in regards to sitting here right now is that I was an area scout. Uh, Arizona, Colorado, Utah, New Mexico, and then eventually Nebraska and Kansas under Larry Himes. Now, if you want to learn how to scout, you have Larry up your butt via the phone on a daily basis and I promise you're going to pay attention so that to me I, I, I'm I, normally included but I, I don't feel that I need to be included all the time because I don't know as much as they know based on the, the web uh, of information that they've created through the uh, what we got going on upstairs last question Bill Flaschke hey, Bill. Bill Flaschke LA good Times. to see you man good to see you. So, so what happened in Chicago uh we had a great five years, man. We had a great five years, uh, culminated in the um, in a World Series victory. Not this year, but last year we had a really good year, 95 wins. Never done a great 95, boys, never. 95 was a really good number. And then this year, a lot of it at the end of the year had to do with, um, we were kind of banged up when we lost all those games at the end. But nevertheless, um, it just, it wasn't clicking at the end of this year like it had the last couple of years. That's not to say that I couldn't have stayed there. Of course I could have. Uh, but I have nothing but warm fuzzies about five years in Chicago. Um, you look at the number of wins, number of losses, three straight, three straight trips to the NLCS, which means you're almost in three consecutive World Series. You do include one and win it. Um, and then the next time you get, you get bumped in a, uh, it's what, this is 1918. Um, we played like 44, 45 out of the last 46 days. Those guys were absolutely gassed in that last part of that season. And then this year, we just had a tougher time. We were the bug. We weren't the windshield this year. But I will say this. I, I've already, just if you permit me one second, I've already had a lot of reach, outreach from my guys from Chicago. And, uh, wow, I cannot be more proud of that group. I wish them nothing but the best. And the ultimate goal, my, 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 you want to talk about a pipe dream, was that we play them in the World Series and beat them. That would be my pipe dream right there. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you, Joe, Jay, Billy, Artie. Thank you very much for your time, and Joe, welcome home. Thank you, brother. Appreciate it, man. 
So there you have it, Joe Mann, the Angels' new manager. This introductory press conference coming a week and some after the official announcement that Joe Mann would be the Angels' new manager. There's plenty to dive into, which we're going to do next week with all of this. It was a pleasure having you listen to today's show, listening to this introductory press conference. Thanks again for tuning in. Do you want to be a part of the show next week on Tuesday? Make sure you're following us on Twitter at LockedOnAngels. You can follow me personally at Taylor Blake Ward and watch for that tweet about 9 p.m. Pacific time saying, send me any and all your baseball questions. I'll answer them here through midnight. Best ones will make the show on Tuesday's episode. Don't forget to download today's show or any of the episodes to the Lockdown Podcast Network via Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. Reminder, today's show is brought to you by Hotels.com. Don't hate like your friend's trip. Book your own through Hotels.com and get rewarded basically everywhere. Hotels.com. Be there. Do that. Get rewarded. Thanks again for tuning in. For Lockdown Angels, I'm Taylor Blake Ward saying have a wonderful weekend and stay nasty, Anaheim. We'll see you on Tuesday.